Lisa says famous actor Johnny Dakota is coming to Bayside. Zack tells her to relax before she cracks her makeup, then laughs at his own joke. Zack mistakenly thinks Johnny is dying to meet him. Johnny politely looks past Zack's hubris and asks where the principal's office is. Zack offers no assistance. Jesse says it's that way, and Zack makes more unwanted contact and close talking with this rich stranger. Zack escorts Johnny 12 feet down the hall and introduces Principal Belding to his new best friend. Johnny ignores how gross Zack is being and says he wants to tape an anti-drug PSA in a high school and they're considering Bayside. Zack realizes he can exploit his proximity to a movie star for access to babes. Johnny's undecided after a tour, but Zack prepared a little something to help make up his mind. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Got an interview. First interview of the offseason. We got our good friend, Zach Rosenblatt of NJ.com. Justin, how are you? Good. Fun conversation with Zach. Good friend of the program. Um, one of the only beat reporters that consistently does talk with fans on social media. I think he's very smart because he was new. He came in here. He realized oh, there's like a really good community of Giants fans and Giants fans on Twitter. Let's communicate with them. He even wrote a story on snacks. So he's a good friend of the pod, good friend of the program. He really also went, uh, really did a deep dive into some uh, player pieces this year. So we got the chance to hear about like, what's Leonard Williams like? What's Logan Ryan like? So that was a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of good convos with him. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. And, and we started, started having a little more for like, you know, the like any interviews, like the first 20 minutes you're talking about serious, like, what do the Giants do about Leonard Williams and Dalvin Thompson? And then the end, we're, we're we're talking about Little Caesars all over again. So that that, I, yep. that was fun. Before we get into that, the combine got pretty much canceled. Justin, I mean, it's essentially canceled. Their pro days are going to be more than what they usually are, but they're still going to be on a virtual level. That sucks, man. Like combine week is so much fun. Like it's one of the most fun weeks of the year. It's like it's just it's just like football heaven is combine week i mean we do three episodes a week that week we're clipping 40 like we are having the time of our lives and they just took it away from us i had my first million view video um because of combine week jeff okuda jeff okuda's footwork where he was backpedaling and you know whatever and i put that to smooth criminal michael jackson's smooth criminal and it worked and million views so combine week is big it's fun my first million view video was for Talking Nets. It was Kyrie missing a game-winning shot in his first game as a net. Yeah, opening night last year. And then yeah. my other one was Saquon stiff-arming the guy versus Detroit. Yeah, that's got. Isn't the account like the check the check down embedded that? I I see that one all randomly all the time. Like I still will get likes on that on that tweet every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, tough. We we this year we would have live streamed uh, for like the entire. Weekend two of the combine would have just hung out. Ah! Um, it's so stinks. frustrating, so freaking frustrating. I hate this stupid ass virus. I can't believe like we. I remember in March. Remember the conversations we were having in March to start the show, like the stupid conversations we're having about COVID. Where I was like two weeks in, I was like, I think people are just gonna stop caring, and it's like we're just gonna go back to normal like right away. Like I can tell with people, and. It's we're in freaking January and it's still it's still it's it's still freaking here. Want to whip its ass? Yeah, I agree. It's gonna stink. My birthday's in March. My birthday's on Friday. Um, oh, your birthday's on Friday? Yeah. How about that? I have look at the kind of person I am. Where you go to tell a story about your birthday, and then I'm like, no, my birthday. That's a, that's a really egomaniac. Well, no, no, no. That's no. It, it was. It's important now that I now I know, and that's good, you know. And, it, and it, it's fine. I, Andrew I Thomas's birthday but, too. 
Do you share a birthday with Andrew mm-hmm. Thomas? It's meant to be. The, this 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 match this match in heaven and you 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 your the destiny of you two will always be tied together. Um, but my birthday's on March 11th, and that was around the time where I fully realized that okay, yeah, we're in a global pandemic. Um, so it's gonna stink this year. This is an ego egotistical comment too. It's gonna be it's gonna stink this year that it's gonna be like oh. One year ago today, one year ago today, and so now my birthday will be ruined two years in a row. Yeah. I mean, the the worst thing, people people will get offended, but I was going to say the worst thing about this virus is no combine. Um, but people are like, it's not the, it's yeah, not then the worst We'll get thing. those comments, and it's like, well, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Um, so, but it does, the combine, and I before was like a combine doesn't matter guy. Oh, you got to go by the film. And then seeing some guys flourish who had good combines, but named now the greatest film. Yeah. I was going into this combine being like, I'm going to put a more emphasis on the combine. Like, I want to see, you know, the vertical jump of offensive linemen just as much as I want to see the shuttle. And you know what? 40 well, times does for matter for wide receivers. Like, yeah. I was going into the combine being like, guys are going to fluctuate where I view them by this. And we just don't get that. So, I mean, we'll get the time. We'll probably get the times and stuff out of pro days and, and as much as and we'll get as much as we can possible out of it. But it's just not the same as having that one centralized yeah. event of the combine. Yeah, because there's also a lot more pressure when everybody's in the same room, and you know, on on your on your Alabama pro day, you know, Jalen Waddle's going to be the fastest guy in the building, you know. But in the at the NFL Combine, you know, he's, he's he may not be the fastest guy in the building because all of the best athletes who are in that same age range are in that building. Um, so sucks, but we'll uh, talking Giants versus the world. Talking right, Giants versus the world. DM me if you want the stickers. Show the sticker. Show the sticker right now. And you get Say a something. regular Talking Giants sticker, too. Two bucks for one of each. My favorite sticker. I just put one on my truck. Four Ranger. All right. Um, let's, we're ready to just, just kick it to the interview? Kick it to the All interview. All right, here's our good friend, Zach Rosenblatt. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we want to welcome you back to the show. And now we have on from NJ.com. It's a very good friend of the program at this point. We've had him on twice. This He has finished his first year covering the New York football giants. And in my opinion, my unbiased opinion, Zach Rosenblatt did a better job out of anybody else covering the giants this year. NJ.com, Zach Rosenblatt. Zach, how are you? It is great to have you on for the first time this offseason. Well, I think I, I'm just going to log off now because I can't really beat that compliment you just gave me. That was really nice. <laughs> it's <laughs> all going down from here. Yeah. So. Justin's a good compliment guy. I'm like the, I'm the opposite. It's like I complimenting people is like really hard for me to do, but it's like, I just like kind of like give you like hand signs. Like, good job, man. But, <laughs> yeah. Good job out there. We'll but I'll, I'll, I'll retweet something like that. That's my like attaboy <laughs> for, for I appreciate it. Thanks for having <laughs> me on guys. I, I always like uh, coming on with you guys. So, I mean, I, this is a basic question, dude, but what was it like, you know, your, one, your first year on the beat with, you know, first full year on the beat with the Giants, you know, but doing it with COVID, like I, I can't, it's hard for me to comprehend like how much different your guys' job was like, what was that like? And like, what were some of the challenges or even like maybe some advantages or, or like what all, what is something like you took away from this year? It's like, man, that was really different. Oh man. Um, and I, I think we talked about this even before the season, but the thing that I definitely missed the most was like the ability to be in the locker room with the guys and like getting to know the players more. You can't really, we can't get to know these guys via zoom. 
Um, especially because, you know, they're not, this isn't like a, under Joe Judge's watch, this isn't the type of team that's going to like say all that much in press conferences outside of like Logan Ryan, who has kind of leeway to do what he wants. Um, not do what he wants, but you guys know what I mean. But uh, yeah, I think that that's the biggest thing I miss, just the ability to talk to guys. And that's where you find a lot of stories and where you can work on something and, you know, you kind of do it without having to like, you know, blow up your spot on a press conference. So like, I, I definitely miss that aspect of it. And, you know, the fans not being at the games is just, I didn't realize how weird, I didn't even like consider how weird it would be until it actually happened. It like just zapped all the energy from the, like just watching games. Like I, it, it seemed like the TV broadcast kind of, you know, faked it pretty well, yeah. uh, made you think that it was like an actual thing, but like there, you know, they score a touchdown and there's just like no noise, like there's nothing going on anywhere. And it just really felt like a scrimmage a lot of the time. So I'm looking forward to some form of normalcy in that sense. But in terms of like, you know, the, I don't know if positives are the right word, but like j- just like forcing me to to go out of go out of my way to t- find stories away from the building was kind of the kind of the gist. You know, working the phones and calling a lot of people, talking to you know friends of friends of of players and stuff like that, and just trying to find you know human interest stories and cool stuff away from the game because everybody kind of was hamstrung by the situation. Like everybody was kind of dealing with the same thing, so you had to you know find your own lane. And that I mean that's that's something I enjoy doing anyway, making those calls, but it definitely was emphasized more in a season like this. Yeah. And we'll, I'll ask you this kind of in a little bit too, when we start talking about some player stories and we kind of maybe stray away from the news a little bit, but I was most impressed like w- with you as a beat reporter, because we talked to you before the season and even we talked to other beat reporters that said relationships with the players. That is not that like, it's, it's just not happening this year. You can't, you can't create a relationship with somebody through zoom. Um, and especially with the way that the giants did have it set up this year, you know, not seeing faces, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's, it's, it's tough. So I admire you. The fact that you were able to write these stories about the lives of players, like very detailed, intimate stories of players lives. And you pulled it off miraculously. Um, which is awesome. We'll get to that though. I do want to ask you about how often were you at the stadium? Was there a point where I think maybe some beat reporters were going to games and it's like, well, why am I doing this? And were they playing back in the New York groove after Giants scored touchdowns? Wasn't that often this year, but were they still playing back in the New York groove in between commercial breaks? Honestly, I, I should have paid more attention to that. Cause I, I honestly not, I can't remember if they did that or not. Uh, Cause I, I mean, I'm so I'm writing and all that stuff and the, the, the crowd noise, the fake crowd noise was actually quite loud. Honestly, it was kind of annoying. Um, but um, I'm sorry. What, what was the question? I got to how often, how often were you oh, going to the stadium? Yeah. 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 Um, I, I went for every home game. It, it, it kind of like there was some sense of normalcy going on, like, you know, getting ready, getting dressed up driving to the stadium. I, I didn't like some guys were still wearing suits and stuff. I wasn't I was going to say, are you a suit man? <laughs> I, I, I like that. I don't do it like every game. I like doing it for like big games and, you know, looking nice if it's like a national thing or whatever. Um, I was a little more casual, like still like, you know, button downs and, and jeans or, you know, khakis or whatever um, or slacks. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed going to the stadium uh, for the games. The, the crowd definitely dwindled in terms of the beat as the season went on. It, it started off with most of the beat. And by the end there was probably, you know, it was it was like a deserted press box in terms of Giants beat writers. There's probably only like five or six going to the games by the end of the year, um, and then like the occasional uh, opposing beat writer. There wasn't there wasn't a lot of people traveling this year either. So like the press box was definitely dead. Like and that that part was definitely weird. Like there was just a select group of us, and we're all spread out by six feet. There um, were some late nights, Zach, yes. where I was talking with snacks, and you know, uh, I'm a couple cold slices of pizzas deep on a on a Friday night. 
And especially when we're approaching week 17, where that's, a you know, it was, a, it was virtually a do or die game with, we needed some help from our friends, but I, man, snacks and I, we were just talking like, can we, can we DM Zach and just try to intimidate him with our connection with him to try and get us. Into the stadium? <laughs> and I, I, I thought about it, you know, morning would come and I'm like, no, that's not right. But then, you know, I, I start, I start eating at night. And I get a few cold pieces, slices of pizza in, and I and I wanted to do it, but I didn't. I'm, I appreciate. Well, early in the season, I, I, I just for as a joke, I tweeted like a photo of the stadium, and I drew like a stick figure with red hair, and I said, "Oh, look, snacks." Next. Like, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Well, um, Justin reminded me. Next year, can you give us the phone number for the opposing coaches, like a press conference with the media, so we can kind of like screw with that a little bit? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I get in a lot of trouble for that, but right. it does sound amazing, especially if it's like a, an annoying coach or something like that. Like, I'm sure I was going to say, if, if Philly had kept their same guy, yeah. we may have been able to have the force our way. Hey, well, well there, one, of my, one of my last Eagles press conference, I mean, this kind of makes me think of that. Um, one of my last like Eagles towards the end of the 2019 season. Uh, Doug, it kind of went viral a little bit. There, Doug Peterson had a, was having one. I think it was after Cowboys game, or maybe maybe it was no, it was after Giants game, I believe. And a drunk Eagles fan somehow snuck into the press conference, or maybe he like won a contest or something, and he started like shouting out like, oh, "Great win, Doug!" Uh, and he said, "How's it feel beating Eli Manning?" <laughs> it was like something like that. <laughs> and he, he Doug like finally caught on after a little while because this guy was just like shouting trying to shout questions at him and the security removed him. And it was just, it was just like quintessential drunk Philly fan, just shouting. And I imagine you guys doing that to Doug though, being like, Doug, why'd you take him out last year? That was really cool. Oh, I would be, I would, I would just be like, Hey Doug, um, you have, you learned how to drink out of a water bottle, you know, in these (laughs) past, this past year or something like that. Um, My all time favorite was the Seahawks Super Bowl when Malcolm Smith is doing his press conference. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Some guy just grabs the mic and just investigate 9-11. 9-11 was perpetrated within our own government. Investigate 9-11 and then just walks off. Oh, the, my. I no, this. I did not see that. <laughs> it's an all-time. I might, have, I might have to pull it up for you guys. but uh, So I, I guess we got to know. But maybe we'll, we'll talk to you off air and we'll get a yes out of you. <laughs> um, so we do have to talk about, you know, some of the current, current affairs with the Giants before we do, you know, go into some stories on these guys. And the one that, you know, we talked about a lot this year is – how are they keeping Garrett? Like, I, I, you know, I can make a case for it, but it's like, what do you think that dynamic is? Because Joe Judge had his run in with Mark Colombo, and, you know, those two are, you know, Colombo and Garrett were a thing. Um, what is that? Do you like, can you get any sense of that dynamic between Judge and Garrett? Is it truly like, like, because, and I hate to, I'm taking, I'm taking 20 minutes asking a question. But I was starting to be like, okay, maybe this is more Judge than Garrett. And then you see Kitchens come in and open it up a little bit with Colt McCoy as QB. And then you kind of go back like, oh, maybe it is more Garrett. Like, what, is, what is that dynamic like to where they think they can make it work? I, I, I think, you know, you said you, you could come up with some reasons for it. And I think those reasons are the obvious ones. And it's this whole, uh, you know, the cliche of continuity, which I, I know you guys, do, at least Justin, I know, doesn't. I'm not sure how Bobby feels about him. I think how it's kind of ridiculous to just say you need to bring the guy back just for the yeah. sake of bringing him back. But I, I think that is part of their thought process. I think they obviously like Jason Garrett more than the fan base does. Otherwise, you know, they wouldn't have hired him in the first place. And, um, and I, I think they're, they're, tra- they're factoring the whole thing, you know, the, the, sh- the weird off season losing Saquon. I, I think it's pretty obvious that it all fell apart when Saquon went down. Cause I think he had all, all of his eggs in the Saquon basket 
and then he was thrown for a loop when he got hurt after two weeks. So I, I think that was a big factor. And, and I, I just think that they kind of like almost like the Daniel Jones thing, they want to just like give him a chance where he has everything at his disposal and clear they should have better weapons next year. Um, uh, and, you know, the continuity thing, like they, they're committed to Daniel Jones for next year. And so it's going to be a make or break year for both of them, I think. Right. So I, I think they're kind of tying that Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett's fates together, uh, whether that's a good idea or not. I don't know. I think uh, everybody else could be the judge about that, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have brought him back personally. I've written plenty about this, uh, about all the problems with the offense. Um, and like, I think just, I think I saw Justin tweet about it, like just just adding good players doesn't necessarily mean his scheme's going to be better. It's, <laughs> he might just be using the same scheme with better players. So it, th- there's definitely reason for concern. I, I think you know he deserves. I guess he deserves a shot to show what he can do when, with a full off season to install his scheme and and blah blah blah. But yeah, I mean. I, I, I was looking forward to seeing what a, a different offense coordinator would look like, whether it was Kitchens or Joe kind of digging into the Patriots tree and finding somebody else or whatever it was. But, I mean, it, I guess it hasn't te- necessarily been confirmed he's coming back, but they, they're not going to announce a guy's not fired. So I, yeah. my assumption is that he's coming back at this point. I've heard a couple of people throw out the idea of a passing game coordinator. Has that been anything you've heard? And two, what, like, what is that? Like, I, I don't even know what a passing game coordinator is. Like, does a passing game, like, call plays, or does he just draw up schemes and practice? Uh, I, I think it's probably different from team to team, depending on the coach. Because I just covering the Eagles, so they – this last year they split up, and it was kind of a disaster, obviously. They had, like, all these – so Doug Peterson was the main play caller. He didn't hire an offensive coordinator. Press Taylor was the passing game coordinator. I believe Jeff Stoughton was the run game coordinator. And then they had some analysts like Rich Gangarello and – and uh, Marty Morningwagon. So everybody, everybody kind of had their own. Like I think Scangarello focused on the two-minute drills, and he was like working on scheming up that. And and on game day, he was calling some of those plays. And then you have Press Taylor dealing. With, I think it's all like situational, um, and kind of just like the general like overview of like he's you know the passing game. And I think again, as I think like even like the the Forty Niners that they've split up their responsibilities quite a bit uh, with those guys. I know one of them just got hired away, obviously. But yeah, I mean that's an interesting idea. But if you're doing that, that I mean, that pretty, that's a pretty clear sign that maybe you don't trust Jason Garrett as your offensive Yeah. Kind of... Anyway, like, I mean, I, unless it's like, unless you're hiring from outside and it's somebody you're really intrigued by coming available or if it's like a young up-and-coming, you know, offensive line, maybe I could see it being defensible. But if, if you believe in Jason Garrett as your, as your offensive coordinator, let him be the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it seems like they do. And, you know, as much as I've I've been pretty, pretty anti-Garrett as I've been, I've been any coach, and I try to be – level-headed and, and see like see their side of things than they do um so it's not that i think jason garrett's in, like you know a total idiot like i think sometimes that gets lost upon fans like you know this guy actually does like know the game really well so you know hopefully they're they're self-scouting themselves and they see like hey what we did this year didn't work i mean and, and the reality is like i mean again it, not just because they get better talent doesn't mean they'll get better necessarily but he did for a lot of his time in dallas they had talent on offense and they scored a lot so right um they, they keep talking about how they need to get weapons. Uh, Dave Gellman said he's not going to sugarcoat it. And John Mara says they need to get more weapons. I don't know why they didn't get them last year, but they need to get them. And so if they don't get the right ones, then, I mean, they're going to be in the same mess they are now. And if they get the right ones, then we'll see if Jason Garrett can do something with them, especially depending on like which guys they get. Cause if it's like a Curtis Sammy, you can, if you can really get creative with a guy like that, or if it's Allen Robinson you know, you can kind of devote the whole offense to him, the passing mm-hmm. offense. So um, it, it, it all kind of depends on who they get and if Jason Garrett utilizes them better. Right. 
Yeah, the thing about a passing game coordinator, at least I think as a simple-minded fan, I'm under the impression that the offensive line coach comes up with the majority of kind of like the scheming and the technique of the offensive line in terms of run blocking. So then if you hire a passing game coordinator, what exactly is the offensive coordinator doing? Um, so so there's that. Um, let's move to the defensive side of the ball now. Now I'm, you know, I've been a giant, I've been a Giants fan for a little while, Zach. And tip and typically, you know, in my in my kind of uh, observation of the team in terms of contract extensions, I'm thinking of plaques i'm thinking of odell i'm even thinking of victor cruz when they extended him after his rookie deal typically what they do is players that they hold a very high importance and even this even includes eli too players that they hold a very high importance they don't like to let them get onto the last year of their deal now what i'm thinking of here is dalvin tomlinson leonard williams leonard williams was obvious because the you know the tag is the tag it's a one-year deal automatically so they had no choice but to let him go on the last year of his deal but dalvin on the other hand you know He's got the C on his jersey. Clearly, he has some sort of value within the organization. You know, they picked up his fifth-year option. He's a very good player, leader on the team. But he went into the season without that contract extension. So is that kind of an impression of Dalvin Tomlinson's possible future? And if it's not, what? where are you leaning? Um, what are you maybe hearing? What are some things you can tell us about Dalvin versus Leo or both? Both I mean, it, back. It's, it's really the only free agency discussion to have with the team because they don't really – everybody else on that list – of their guys becoming free agents, you can, they can live without really. Um, So yeah, it's, I mean, the Dalvin thing, you know, on one hand, you're right. Like they, they could have, if they really liked him that much, they would have probably tried to sign him sooner. Um, But they also, by all counts had trade offers at the deadline specifically from the Packers. And he's a guy going to his last year of his deal at the time, the giants were not likely going to stiff the playoffs. Like nobody thought they were going to head that. I think they were, they had one or two wins at that point. Um, and they didn't, they declined the offer because of how much they liked Dalvin. So, you know, I've heard people who think that's a sign that they want to keep Dalvin over Leonard. Um, I've heard the other side of it where Leonard is a guy they obviously invested so much in and then he, then it paid off. And how can you let that guy go? You know, you don't let my, my whole thing is you don't let you all pro caliber players don't grow on trees. So you don't just let them go. If you have them in your building, even if they cost, like you have to pay to keep guys like that. That's just reality. Um, yeah. So I, I've always been of the mind that I would keep Leonard Williams if I was picking. Um, I, I honestly can see a scenario where they, where they try and bring them both back. I, I don't think that would be very smart. Obviously you don't want to invest too much money in two guys whose primary, you know, strength is run stopping defensive tackle. So I would, I, I just don't see a scenario where they keep both and also go get a wide receiver or edge rusher in free agency. So um, it's going to be, I've, it, I've tried to, you know, sniff around and see what's going on and people haven't really been, saying what they think. I, I really do think they value Leonard Williams. Um, he's going to cost a lot of money. It, it comes down if they're willing to pay it on top of, you know, they're, they're probably going to overpay Saquon Barkley too pretty soon. So that has to be factored in. So uh, it, it's kind of the debate of, do you want $20 million of Leonard Williams or do you want, you know, 14 million of Dalvin Tomlinson and you get 6 million extra to set, spend somewhere else. So that's kind of going to factor in there. And, you know, it, it's a very interesting discussion because both are very good players. I think Leonard is better at more things, but Dalvin is, is really good at what he's really good at. So um, I, I think it's defensible for either one, but I, I, for the sake of their pass rush, like they, they just can't afford to let pass rushers leave. You know, they just, I mean, they don't have them. It's so right. <laughs> yeah. one guy that gets the sacks. You can't right. let him go and hope that Lorenzo Carter breaks out again or they get a rookie or they, they sign a veteran because they're not gonna, probably going to get like the top edge rusher in free agency. So, 
it, it's it's a very interesting debate. I, I lean on the side of Leonard. I, I'm not sure. I'm I'm sure Justin leans on the side of Leonard. I'm not sure where Bobby's at with this. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, I think everyone's like, hey, Leonard Leonard's the better player. I actually, here's the thing, and I don't know what Dalvin's gonna get. Like, I can see Dalvin only getting eight million a year, and I can also see a team being like, here's fourteen a million a year. Yeah. So if you can, get, you know, you're gonna have to spend a ton for Leonard. Um, the contract I've heard from. Uh, for Dalvin is is the DJ reader one that he signed last year. I think it was like four years, 53. I think that's kind of what people are like projecting. I don't know if that's, you know, a big projection because obviously his stats aren't, don't like jump off the page. So a team would have to really defend, defend to their owner. Like, okay, we're signing this guy for a lot of money, but he doesn't really get sacks. So. Yeah, did I do Dallas Cowboys people like being like Dalvin Tomlinson. So hope, did I do hope. good quick math? Is that 13 mil a year? Good quick math on my brain. Yeah, that's, like 13 times four 12.25 million a year wow whoa, whoa look at you actually no it's not oh see i just gave you credit. <laughs> 53 it's 13.25 mil oh love that so that's, love lo- that. that's a lot of money for a nose tackle so mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know yeah especially when you're bringing back um leonard williams i and, just don't want to see this defense fall apart that's and, my and, and the reason why I, I think you know they're probably comfortable with losing one of them if they have to. I think they really like BJ Hill. I think they really like what he showed them this year. I know he was only rotational, but um, my impression is that Sean Spencer really likes him. I think they're probably, they'll probably bring Austin Johnson back if they can. I think they like him as a backup. Um, and, I'm, and, you know, I'm sure Dave Gettleman will be tempted by some hog molly in the, in the draft or something, but um, yeah, it, it, that's, I'm just like very interested to see what happens there. Cause especially if, you know, you would you would want them to sign one of them before they hit free agency, so their price doesn't go up even more. And so I'm curious to see, you know, if they sign whatever that one guy is, do they then try and bring the other guy back or whatever? Like, so it's it's going to be going to be very. I'm very curious to see how that plays out. That and and you know what they do wide receiver are the two things I'm most interested in. I think. All right. You mentioned Sean Spencer. Which position group or group? What yeah. position coach? through zoom like really grabbed your attention the most because i don't watch them every week but i try and 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 go through them and and find quotes and see if there's anything interesting which one like grabbed your interest the most honestly so i I really before he got fired mark colombo was honestly like he was the most open out of all yeah that's it was really refreshing talking to him especially on maybe this kind of rubbed joe judge the wrong way I, i don't know i uh, it's very po- I think they are definitely different like kind of, they're kind of similar personalities in a way they're just like hard-nosed football guys um, but Mark Colombo is not someone who like sugarcoats he would tell maybe he got too detailed sometimes and he would tell us specifically what Andrew Thomas was doing wrong which I don't know if you know Joe Judge wants other teams to hear I mean they, they can see the film though so I don't, I don't I don't think it's as big of a deal as it's made out to be but he, he was like he was just honest about things and when they were playing bad he would say it and he always you know even when Andrew Thomas was struggling he was really positive about him but when when he left honestly Dickie Elmo is just a character that guy is like talks a mile a minute he's got a big personality you ask him one question he talks for five minutes about it um and I I I do enjoy Sean Spencer he's a good he's a good guy a good personality um he he wears a necklace that says chaos on it just like really embracing his his uh nickname um I'm trying to think we love Spencer it's just I think he could be the next coordinator on the on the staff right now my worry is that like He's just hard to understand. He talks. He's got that gravelly voice, and like you said, it just like I. Th- I think in camp, uh, Dex was like describing him. He's like, like he's like, I don't know what he's saying I, half the time. I I, I think you know, maybe he probably did in New York, but I, I don't know if he got enough credit for the work he did this year. I think he was maybe one of their best position coaches. He really unlocked. Yeah. Like 
you referenced the stories I read, the Leonard Williams one, I'm sure we're going to talk about, but like one, one of the biggest eye-opening things is when I talked to Spencer about Leonard and just first him telling me about like the way he, he like saw all of the way Leonard Williams struggled before and how he got really famous at the beginning of his career. And then, you know, he had everybody criticizing him and then he was struggling to live up to his potential and he just wanted to come in and let him know that he could trust him. And then when I talked to Leonard Williams, he's like, yeah, when I, when I, when I heard that a coach, um, I've never had a coach that I trusted before, like, cause he actually cared about who I was off the field. And then he's not afraid to get after him on the field. Like it, it just, it, it was very interesting to hear like that perspective because you don't really think about that a lot of times um because these, these are professionals they're adults this isn't college anymore where they necessarily have to like care about them off the field anymore and I, I think Sean Spencer really connected with these guys and you saw all I think all of them I mean BJ Hill had a better year than he did last year uh Dexter Lawrence had a better year probably than he did last year and he's got a lot of potential I, I'm very encouraged by Spencer yeah I, I, I think he's a rising rising uh coach in this league for sure right on yeah. I, I can just visualize um, not to totally just go back to this, but I, I was laughing when you talked when you talked about Mark Colombo revealing a little too much, <laughs> because I can just can can we imagine that the, can we create a scenario in our head where part of the reason why Mark Colombo got fired was because Joe Judge was rewatching those press conferences, be like this guy is an idiot. He does not know like this is not what's going this is not what's going wrong with Andrew Thomas. He's an idiot. He does not know what he was talking about. He gets really mad at Joe. Uh, gets really mad at Mark Colombo. Um, Bobby Skinner, what were you going to say? Uh well, I think since we're talking about Leonard Williams, let's talk about Leonard Williams. I mean, yes, you mentioned some stuff in the story. We have a segment on Friday. It's called Giant Stories. And last offseason, he was the star. I mean, we were just we we're envious. We're trying to get him to invite us to his house out in Cali because <laughs> I mean, he just lives the life. He like lives on the beach, goes out, goes spear fishing, jet skis, eats what he catches, yeah. and just like and then longboards and and wakeboards and just does like basically whatever he wants, and um and then puts together an eleven and a half sack season. Yeah. I didn't know. So I didn't know that, that part of it from the off season. I don't, I guess I didn't even follow him on Instagram. I realized, um, but Sean Spencer is actually the one that brought that up. Cause I asked like what it was like to coach Leonard um, and like what he's like off the field. And then he started bringing up how he goes deep sea spear fishing and he, you know, goes in the water and stabs them himself or whatever. And so at, at that point, you know, we were talking about how hard it is to talk to these guys. Like, you know, it, it, especially with a guy like that, if a guy is going on the podium uh, each week, then they're not going to be available for like one-on-one interviews. So I, I, I like requested him that week um, and they're like, he'll probably be on the podium. I'm like, all right, well then, and then they, then they let me know pretty much like the day of that I was going to be talking to him over, over the phone one-on-one. So, and it worked out perfectly. You know, he, I, from the beginning, we, we, we shot the breeze about the whole fishing thing for a good, like 10 minutes. And you could tell he really appreciated Like he even I said at the end, he's like, thank you for not, you know, asking too much about football, like that taking his mind off. You can just tell he's a guy that has other, it's not that he doesn't care about football, but he has other interests and a way to get his mind off things. And, you know, he even said like this whole deep spear fishing thing was like really like just calmed his mind down and let him, you know, drown out. Cause he obviously was getting so much criticism, whether it was deserved or not because of the trade, which he didn't make the trade, obviously. So I went from um, Jets fans hating him to the Giants fans hating him all, you know, within, you know, a couple of months. He, uh, he, just, he just seems like a guy that doesn't really let, like it, it's a cliche, but he doesn't really actually let anything bother him. He's just like really laid back. Um, and I've, I've been following him. I, I just realized I only followed him recently. I thought I was, had been following him. And you just like see all the stuff he's posting. He just has fun and easygoing guy. I think he's well liked by everybody. Um, and yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a character. Like he's very, he's not what I expected, I guess. Yeah, so when he talks about his growth and his progression from 2019 to 2020, 
Um, is there a certain specific theme that, you know, either from uh, Coach Spencer that you picked up or that from him you picked up, is there a specific theme, theme, lesson, technique, something that he did differently to, I don't know, whether it's changed his perspective off the field, on the field, um, that, you know, we saw, you know, we saw such a rise in play, or did he just stick to the status quo and stick to who he is? Um, was it more or less coaching or was it something uh, different that you picked up in the story that you wrote on why he maybe took, took such a big jump this year? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I, he also, he also spent some time in the offseason Richard Seymour. I think that helped him quite a bit. He like watched some film with him and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it was just mental. And I think that was kind of Sean Spencer's point. Like the, I think everybody, even people who are critical of him, I think the reason why they were so critical is they knew the talent was there. The talent was always there. He just was wouldn't get the sacks or, you know, maybe, you know, there's questions about his effort or whatever. I, I just think the staff found a way to unlock, you know, the mental side of things with him. I think the stuff off the field helped him. He cleared his mind a little bit. And then he got a staff that kind of knew how to coach him, knew how to talk to him, knew how to tell him what to do. And he, I think the, it, I think it was just really all mental. And I mean, if you look at his pressure numbers and, and his run stopping numbers on PFF and all that stuff, like they were all really good before, mm-hmm. like when he wasn't getting sacks, like, and, but the reality is when you're a defensive lineman and you don't get sacks, like people are going to point that out. Yeah. Um, and he finally got them here and he, he, he repeatedly acted like, you know, he didn't think he, he thought he was always this good, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he had a, he had a, his best season of his career for sure. Um, and yeah, I just think a lot, this coaching staff really does deserve a lot of credit and he deserves a lot of credit for putting in the work and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he responds when he gets that big contract that he, you know, it's funny. I'm not, he, he said at the end of the season, it's not about the money for him. He could retire. If he wanted to, he could retire right now and just, you know, go, I'm sure go deep sea spearfishing or whatever, um, which I'm sure his agents didn't love him saying all that stuff. <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it, like, he really is like that. He, it's not about the money or the, or the fame for him, I don't think, which is very interesting because he's about to make a whole lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, Leonard, come let us come to your house and go fishing with you. At least just for like one day. Like we're we're trying to, you know, get in there. Um I mean, I, I every time I go through his Instagram stories, I'm just jealous. I'm like, just look how clear that water is and he just cooks up freaking mahi and is and has like fish tacos and he, and he, and he has, lives and he has like his he has his little dogs that he loves too. Yes, yes. I feel bad for them when they're in New York. Like I'm like, man, this sucks. Like you're in like scummy New York with these beautiful animals. <laughs> compared to you know the west coast and like down in miami and everything so well speaking um, of dogs speaking of dogs this is this is why i get paid the big bucks zach because i can do these podcasting transitions um speaking of dogs brings up uh brings up another guy brings up logan ryan and you know i feel like everybody on the beat had a ton of communication with him um uh you you wrote some stories on on logan ryan this year Lo- logan ryan had just uh, a fascinating and an interesting year as a whole um, for, you know, what he went through, the success that he went through on the football field and some of the um, some of the uh, adversity that he went through off the football field. Um, but I kind of so we're talking about player stories, but I kind of also want to just introduce this a little bit, too. And, you know, uh, and this is why, again, I, I thank you for writing these player stories, because particularly with this 2020 Giants team, these are guys that you just want to root for. And I feel like that's what really differentiates why by the time week 17 comes, I don't want the season to end versus previous years, even though records were still bad. And, you know, um, regardless whether the Giants were in the playoffs or not, I still didn't want the season to end because you just root for these guys. You root for Blake Martinez. You root for Logan Ryan. A lot of the new guys that that came in the team and are largely also a lot of guys that you write stories on. So Leonard Williams was one. We talked about him. Logan Ryan's another one. Um, 
kind of br- bring us through Logan Ryan's year. And, you know, he's an easy guy to root for. Um, you've had a lot of communication with him. You wrote some stories on him. Bring us through kind of his year and his transition to New York, uh, success on the football field, adversities off, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you know, it's pretty – it's very interesting because he almost shouldn't have been on the team at all if you think about it because they would not have signed him if Xavier McKinney didn't get hurt and they wouldn't have been able to afford him if Nate Solder didn't opt out. So, right. like, all the circumstances had to happen for him to wind up here. And, like, if you had – you know, if you had asked me in, like, you know, August is – Logan Ryan, you know, at that point, he's not on the team yet. Is Logan Ryan going to, you know, could you see Logan Ryan sign an extension with the Giants before the end of this year? Like, well, that doesn't even make sense. Why would they even sign him at this point? You know, and, and he still, nobody knew he wanted to play safety at that point either because, you know, he had only played corner in his career. And then kind of like, you know, stuff, there were some leaks with like Rappaport or whoever or Schefter, whoever it was, saying that he wanted to be a safety. And then you wonder maybe that's why he hadn't been signed yet, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I just think he was, wasn't getting the money he was looking for. I think he was asking for over $10 million a year. Uh, he wasn't getting that. And then, you know, that, that what happened necess- necessitated it. The Giants had an advantage with having Joe Judge, who he obviously was a fond of from their time together in New England. And then he came in, and, you know, I, I don't know if the season – I mean, it wasn't an amazing season, but it wouldn't have been as good as it was if not for Logan Ryan. I think in a lot of ways he was crucial for a young team. He was the, the leader on the team. I mean, if you think about it, the leaders on this team are guys like Saquon, Daniel Jones, Blake Martinez. These are all guys who are like 27, 26, 25, 23, 22. Like they're all very young guys who haven't had a lot of success in the NFL. Whereas Logan Ryan has won a few Super Bowls and he's made the playoffs. Yet he never had a losing season before this year in his career. Um, last losing season was his freshman year at Rutgers, which is just wild. Um, as wild that he was at Rutgers and didn't have a losing season yeah, that's every what, year. Yeah, so I'm saying like <laughs> that's that's part of the craziness of it. Like that's that's so it has, he just has a track record as a winner. Um, but you, I don't think anybody could have maybe Joe Judge could have because he knew him. But the way he came in and you know he was just such a part of their everyday to day thing. You know he took all these young guys under his wing. I, he, I know he drove to the, to practice a lot of times at Darnay Holmes. Yep. Um, he took, you know, all these guys under his wing and he was a big part of even like just the way Patrick Graham was able to do what he did with the defense. Um, you know, Logan Ryan's versatility and being able to use him the way he could and Logan's ability to call things out in the field. And I, I, I didn't, I didn't hear this, but I, I know uh, Tyler, Tyler Dunn wrote a story about Logan Ryan. That was very good. And there was a detail in there about how he like Patrick Graham would call him late at night to like run some stuff by him, like to like, you know, bounce some stuff ideas off him and there's nobody else on this roster Patrick Graham could have done that with like that's just the reality so I I, I think having him you know helped unlock Jabril Peppers they were able to use Jabril in a different way um, and all of a sudden the secondary is like the strength of this team going into next year I think you could argue and they have a big hole there obviously but you know at the top of it it's probably the strength of this team going into next year which if you had said that this time last year you probably would have been laughed out of the room I mean that secondary was a disaster last year especially once uh, Janoris left yeah, I mean, you you know, we like Bradbury, but we didn't expect him to be what no. he – I mean, I, our preseason conversations for this team were, can this defense be good enough to let the offense outscore teams? Like, that? those are – you know, because you had, you know, Jones returning off of a strong rookie year and, and um, you know, Slayton, you know, you were excited about him. Shepard is yeah, who he was. There's there more questions place. on defense than offense, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like <laughs> – when they signed Crazy Ross Cockrell, this is huge because, yeah. like, it gives us a chance to win because, you know, our de- our secondary is so screwed up. And it's crazy, like you said, to where now that it's – I mean, it's basically exactly the opposite of what yeah, everyone thought would happen with this team. And, and I think there were even questions about Patrick Graham because 
if you just looked at his resume, he only was a defensive coordinator for one year. And, you know, maybe it wasn't fair to put it on him because he didn't call the plays, but the Dolphins defense was awful last year and they didn't have yeah. very good players either, obviously. But it's not like this defense was like littered with pro bowlers either. And he obviously came in and Patrick Graham was probably the biggest surprise for me of the year. Uh, he's the team MVP, like just everything. I, like I didn't, I definitely didn't expect to be talking about him as a head coaching candidate after one year on the job with this team, you know, and every, all the circumstances, like just wild, but yeah, just, just back to Logan Ryan, like I, I, he became so important that like, I, maybe they paid him a little bit too much for a guy who's 30 years old and, you know, could decline. But number one, I think the way they structure the contract looks pretty good. They can get out of it after two years. Number two, I just think he was so important to this team that even if he starts declining skill wise, he's like, it's important to have those culture setters on your team. And, you know, I, I refer, I know Giants fans hate Eagles. And when I ever tweet about them, they get offended for some reason. But um, <laughs> one thing they did that led to 27, the 2017 year when they won the Super Bowl is they had all these guys in the building that were like really culture, but they had Jason Kelsey already. They had Zach Ertz and Malcolm Jenkins, who is probably the closest resemblance to Logan Ryan, um, both in terms of their skills and like, Orlando like it's important to have those guys while you're not winning the play, getting into the playoffs. And while you're not winning 10 games a year, having these guys in the building, you know, just establish the culture. And there's this cliche of like learning how to win. And I, and I think ha having Logan is crucial to part of that. And th now this whole roster, I think learned from him this year, I guess they, they could have survived by losing him, but I, I think it was smart to bring him back, even if, you know, you're paying him as one of the better safeties in the league. But um, he, he definitely exceeded expectation. He was a good player, maybe not a great player, but he was a great leader. And I think, I, I, I guess I didn't know that about him before he got here. Two more questions about Logan Ryan. One, how often did his uh, pit bull Leo make appearances on his Zoom calls pressers? <laughs> how often? Do we know? Not, not a, no, because the, the Zoom calls were usually at the facility. Oh, so I, I, I must have read something wrong then. That Leo the Pitbull, I thought he made, I thought he made some appearances. Darn. Maybe there, I can't remember if because sometimes the Monday press conference when we'd get them, they'd be at their own place. But I can't remember if we ever got Logan in that. Situation. I also, I also probably can't read. Let's let's just <laughs> let's just put it like that. Um, but also the the story of. How like his so he has a, Logan Ryan has a foundation. You wrote about this. Logan yeah. Ryan has a foundation of uh, he helps dogs without a home. Um, and how that story started was stray dogs just somehow wound up in um, wedding Lo photos. Logan Ryan and Ashley, his wife, their wedding photos. That is yeah. the that is the funniest yeah. thing I've ever heard. It's, That's it's so crazy. Yeah, and and, the, and you know the, it was funny because for the first like month he was here, uh, every press conference without even us bringing it up he would talk about how he couldn't find a place to live because a lot of places don't like pit bulls so that, so that kind of like motivated our foundation to start talking about like a breed restrictions which you know i'm a i'm a dog lover i have a dog like the whole idea of breed restrictions is insane it's about you know if the dog's aggressive then it's aggressive i don't know if the breed necessarily has to do with it but anyway yeah, I, I think it's rarf is their foundation i think it's worth uh listeners checking that out to help them out because it's pretty cool what they do but yeah it's uh it's, it's, it was funny that, that kind of Logan, like I mentioned, I kind of referenced this earlier, like him more than anybody else showed his personality when he talked to us where a lot of guys were, you know, I'm sure they got directives of what to talk about and what not to talk about when, because they would know what questions are coming. Logan, you know, didn't shy away and he, he always defended the team. Even when they were losing, he, you know, he pushed back, you know, I, I, I asked a question towards the end of the year when they clinched a losing record about how it was his first season with a losing record. And he didn't really like that question very much. Um, it was the reality, but 
Um, like he, he really was, he loved this team. I think he loves the city. He's from New Jersey. He's from South Jersey, which is obviously a lot different than North Jersey, but he's, he's from this area. I, I think he, he probably was surprised by how much he liked to hear too. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, like you said, every single press conference every week, you could tell like, um, he, he ended up like, he, like everyone enjoyed it. Did you vote for him for the media's good guy award? I did. I can tell you guys what my ballot was. I, I did. Number one was Logan. Two was Leonard Williams and three was Blake Martinez. Okay. Yeah, we do a top three is how it worked. Um, we were thinking about making our own award for like beat reporters since you guys do your award for <laughs> players. But um, it's just, you know, it's like there's no winning if we do that. We're going to yeah, offend yeah. some. You offend somebody or yeah. <laughs> Everyone is a winner. Eh, Everyone's a winner. There's, I, eh. I won't say names, but there's a couple that aren't. Eh. Uh, <laughs> uh, so who was the, t- okay, so. Who was not not the bad guy, but who was like the toughest guy to get something out out of this year? What, what do you think I'm going to say here? Besides Daniel Jones, <laughs> okay, yeah. Besides <laughs> him just bluffing like that week 17 oh, bluff was yeah, crazy. That was, that was pretty funny, yeah. <laughs> and then he played it off like, oh, at that point in the week, I was fine. I wasn't fine or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, was that was funny because we were talking before the game, and I'm like, is there any way they're bluffing? And we're like, no. But it's like, but it's like, but I would think of something like that. Like I would try him. something like that, and then <laughs> it was so. it was honestly a, the funniest moment of his career. Maybe like I don't know. Besides him tripping after the eighty yards, I guess. Do oh, we sure. think? Do we think Daniel Jones is a good poker player? Yeah, because I don't. That dude does not show emotion in any way. Okay. I mean, no, he hates that, talking to you guys. Maybe, like he he just he, he at just least, hates it. At least he, that would have a he at least would have a good poker face. Like who knows if he's a good poker player or not, but. He, um, he doesn't like the press, and what I also notice is when he has to do events because you know, you know, get sponsored by Visa to go do something. It's always awkward. <laughs> well, it's awkward because those are always like some; those are always like kind of corny. And I just realized, like anything that's like even remotely corny, he just like wants nothing to do with. Like I, him and Donald yeah, did the cornhole. There was a hilarious. I think it was with Matthew Barry, maybe. Yes, yeah, with Matthew Barry. Yeah. Was like, oh God, that was, it was like so that. hilarious. It was like so awkward that it was like the funniest thing i've ever seen because he did, had no interest in answering any of those questions <laughs> he did a, at the super bowl last year him and darnold did like a, the like they were sponsoring like they were part of the cornhole thing and sam darnold's like putting into it and jones is just <laughs> straight up just <laughs> like this like just, just like he could care less about it that's why that's why it was it was kind of funny seeing like you know obviously the thing that got you know made into a big deal when he was going out about the town and you know, drinking with his buddies. And now he's like taking trips to Miami with his teammates. And like, he just doesn't seem like a guy who's a big partier, but you know, maybe. No, he, he is. Yeah, he I know. But I'm, I was going to say, I mean, he's a young, I don't, I don't fault him for that aspect of it. Um, uh, But it, it's just fun, funny because he's just very good at not giving away anything. He's, yeah. I, mean, I think Eli was like this in a lot of ways. Eli was better at actually, you know, talking to the media and answering questions, but mm-hmm. he also was not someone who gave away anything about his person, which is why the whole Twitter thing has been funny with Eli. But yeah. Like, I don't see Daniel Jones ever getting to that point, honestly. But no, it, it's remarkable. Like, it's a skill to like not like bite on any. It's it's no. it's a skill. Like, you can try your hardest to like not care. And it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know how he does it. And it's it's funny because sometimes reporters will try and like be funny at the beginning of a question or, you know, try, just and like, throw yeah. it, try and show a joke at him. He'll just like do like the <laughs> awkward, the awkward like fake laugh for them, you know? And he's like, huh, yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> the, I, I did see him get mad one time, and he, I think it was at Jordan when he was asked about – it was after the injury or something, and and then Jordan's like, well, I was actually asking about this. And you could tell he was – I can't oh, – I'll have to go back and find it because I remember that was, that was the first time where I saw him like get like 
it seemed like he was getting really frustrated because he answered it with like a, a one word answer. After I will that. say, I don't have anything against Daniel by any stretch. Like he's a, he's a, obviously a good kid. He's just not very helpful in terms of press conferences. <laughs> the quarterback interview. getting yeah, something yeah, out I of the quarterback. Like, you, I, prefer, I think... you prefer, yeah, the guy that we're talking to two times a week at least, you would hope is a little more entertaining. Like Carson Wentz <laughs> was also not very fun to talk about. He gave a little more than Daniel, but he also was pretty bland. Um, Nick Foles was, was pretty fun to cover. I mean, he, he almost, a lot of times you would ask him a question that he'd go in this whole soliloquy about, you know, he'd make you want to walk out there and attack the world. He didn't actually answer the question, but he made you want to go out and accomplish the world. Um, but um, it's fun. It's just funny because quarterbacks, you know, you want them to have some sort of, even if it's like a, you know, combative personality or something like, but you know, whatever, I mean, whatever works for him, I guess, but I love I mean, it. If, if, he's if, a stone cold killer, stone cold. They don't, they don't have any it. like, they don't have any like guys that are like, dicks on the on the team i guess if i can say that um but yeah. i would say kevin zeitler is one of the more bland interviews i've maybe ever seen like, we interviewed him and we tried to like get some like we tried to get him to like joke around like even i was like who gave the better o-line gift eli or jones he's like they're both really it's like dude you could just say eli like it's okay <laughs> i was like they're not he's not gonna be offended but yeah. which is funny because his wife is like the opposite like she is very like she loves us she's loud she, she buys our shirts and wraps them um but I guess that's what they say opposites attract. There you go. <laughs> Bobby, I want you to ask a very important question about something significant that's happening in your life soon that Zach will not be a part of. Oh. And we're, and we're mad at him. Dude, go to the Senior Bowl with me. I'm going to be there by myself. <laughs> I, I Honestly, I, this year, would be, especially now that I saw Devontae Smith is going to be there. Um, that would be cool. I, I, what, is, what is even like the available? Are you you're going as media? Yeah, which is so weird. Are, 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 is it going to be Zoom calls for interviews, or what are they doing for that? With interviews, I'm not totally sure. I imagine I, I was looking I at the website, Zoom, but yeah. But it's like I think there might be like some like distance stuff, like at the end of practice, maybe like even talking to them from the stands after the practices. Um, there will be some Zoom stuff, um, which I probably won't even do that. It's like I I just I just want to keep that barrier between me. It's like I started asking real questions, and then I. You know, <laughs> That makes sense. But yeah, I mean, I, I want to go to the senior bowl one year. Cause I hear it's a lot of fun to cover. Um, it's obviously going to be different this year. And then yeah. I'm sure you guys just saw about this combine going away for the, yeah, that's honestly not, honestly not, I mean, it, it stinks for the players for sure, but from a personal selfish perspective, I'm not too pissed about it. I, I didn't really love that event to be honest with you. Oh, we um, loved it. We do combine week. Like we had yeah. an extra episode that it's week. Too, it's just too much. It's too much. We're clipping. I mean, oh, but that's where we thrive is when it's mm-hmm. too much. We're clipping, <laughs> we're clipping people's 40 times. I mean, we, we go all in for, combine. I will say that my first year going it like it was, I mean, I've, I got more used to it as I went to other ones, but the first one I went to, when you go to like the steakhouse, whatever it's called prime or whatever. And you're just like walking in there and, you know, you look and Jerry Jones is down sitting at that table over there and I would you, throw you, up. Walk, you walk by Mike Vrabel and, you know, there's this guy over there and you know Ben McAdoo was schmoozing some people last year. And it, it's just like just walking by <laughs> the, like John Lynch walks by like it, like at, at first, like I don't get starstruck anymore, but it is like jarring when you just look up and like, oh, there's a so and so. And so that part is like very weird because you're if you're in that steakhouse late at night during the combine, the odds are that you're standing next to somebody who either played in the NFL or is a coach or whatever. Well, you got to give me some tips. How do I like approach the giant staff at the, at, at senior bowl? Like, do I just come, walk up and be like, Hey, I'm run Bobby. Up to them and hug them or something. Throw something at them. <laughs> like I was really uh, critical of your, you know, your, your angle. No, nah. 
I'm, I bet you, I always wonder what they do think of us because, you know, we are like, we still are like, we do our best to quote unquote cover the team, but we're also fans, you know? So, which means we'll show emotion and we'll say things that, you know, beat reporters can't say like, screw this guy, you know, because he, <laughs> he blew a coverage or something. So I always wonder like what their thoughts of are us. Although we do have a theory that Joe judge listens because he, <laughs> he has mentioned some like deep, like deep cuts from the show. Um, I won't go so, into yeah, it. Like, Zach. No, no, I'm going into it, Bobby. We won't go into it. We're going into it. Cause we, we need to, we need it. to flex this. Do you remember when uh, Joe judge dropped like a little Caesars reference? Oh no. Nobody he, he that dropped, doesn't listen to Talking Giants would remember him Joe Judge, Little Caesars. Joe Judge dropped a, C, a Little Caesars reference, and it was a like, week after I told a story about me and a Little Caesars. Yeah, he, Bobby fought somebody <laughs> in Little Caesars. I didn't so, fight anybody. No, you 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 said that was a uh, don't lie. That was a story. You fought some. You no you no. I didn't. I defended somebody who was yelling at a woman in a Little that's Caesars. That's right. So you're so wow. You're, you're a true you're hero, Bobby. I know. <laughs> Over a handicapped parking spot. Oh wow. Okay. This sounds like a curb episode. It, it's florida it's it was oh, literally florida. this okay, guy yeah. comes into the little caesars was it's, like it's a regular tuesday afternoon huh? yeah yeah i was yelling at this lady because she parked in the handicap spot and i'm like dude what would your mother be more disappointed in you parking in a handicap spot or berating some random lady in the mm. middle it's of it's actually a, great that's actually a great way of shaming somebody what would your mother be more ashamed about i mean i didn't say that i was thinking that but i was like oh man that that would be that's just that'd be such, they would take that so personally that, it was like after the eagles win too so it was I'm probably gonna, our most downloaded time, episode at the time next time i'm giving like one of my co-workers crap i'm for doing something dumb i'm gonna what would your what would your mom be more ashamed about this bad joke you just made <laughs> or, justin better not start pulling that on me um <laughs> what your mother think so and then we said we we did a voicemail pod and we put out a five minute clip of like we don't know what Joe Judge thinks of Daniel Jones, and then that day was the day he he so started you're saying, praising. So you're Daniel saying Jones. you think you guys motivated him to admit that he's sticking with yes. Daniel Jones? Yes. Am I arrogant a little bit? Yes. But Joe Judge, <laughs> well, we, he listens like to talking. Like Are we saying that we did? No. Are we saying, saying that? Correct. Gotcha. Correct. Here's, this this is where like we say this privately like do they listen you know like that you know because i'm sure they they know I mean, who we are but i i don't yeah. i doubt they're like i've gone through that in the, the past like I, i'm always curious like how much of our stuff they're reading i know like i know i know their pr people definitely like gather the material and i'm sure joe re- reads a lot of it honestly he's he's smart um he's also a people person yeah, yeah unlike the other two the previous ones yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, Pat Shermer would put me to sleep during his press conferences. I, <laughs> I thought he was feisty. Feisty on sun, on Sundays, he was feisty. The rest of the ones, he I honestly just like, don't know if I've ever watched a Ben McAdoo press conference, so I couldn't tell you what his were like. But um, got to look back at the tape, Zach. You got to look back at the tape. So, so the funny thing with Judge is, like, so some press conferences would be just bland, and he wouldn't give us anything. And then you'd have the ones like the Eagles one, where out of nowhere, like you don't see it coming because even within that answer about the Eagles. He started off saying nothing. He started off saying, you know, mm-hmm. we had 16 opportunities. Then, like, something clicked, and, like, you could see it almost in his eyes. And he just started talking, like, just completely, you know. F it. Just going F off it. on them. It was just, like, and, he, and he, he phrased it in a way where it didn't seem like he was directly talking about them. And when he would bring up the Eagles again, he'd be like, oh, I'm going to let them speak for themselves. And then he'd crap on them again. And yeah. he that on the radio last week. And it, it was just, I mean, I enjoy those things when he gets, you know, when he gets fired up. I, I know Giants fans – I don't know if I agreed with all the insanity about everybody acting like the Eagles, you know, ruined football and it's never going to be the same now. Or something. No, they did that a long time ago. Yeah, no, <laughs> but I'm sure. But I, I, I thought that was overblown. But I think Judge was very smart 
with what he did there. Whether I agree with everything he said, it almost doesn't matter. I don't, who even whether he believes it or not, he said what the fans and his team wanted to hear. I'm sure, and I, and I, I think he he very much knew what he was doing there. And the whole oh yeah, players love that. And I think yeah. people forget what the mind of like this person has played sports their whole like it never like think about your mindset of playing sports, like what you were willing to do to win, and just know that yeah that guy's 30 years old, but it never stopped for him. Like it's, it's I don't know it's kind of crazy. Um, do we have anything else? I we're we're about it at we're almost an hour in, Justin. I know yeah. we want to talk about Darnay Holmes a little bit. But. Yeah, but well, well, it's just an excuse to have Zach Rosenblatt on again to talk about more players. Um, do you have um do you have any um off season stories kind of maybe lined up? I don't know what your schedule looks like. I don't know if you'd like to put out certain like in depth player pieces out in the off season because. You know, maybe not a lot of people are tuned out. So uh, do you have anything coming up that maybe you can preview for us uh, in terms of player exclusives, whatever, whatever, whatever? Um, this time of the year is a little weird just because especially when the, when the season ends for your team that you're covering and there's still like playoffs going on, nobody really cares all that much about like, mm-hmm. profile pieces. So I'm not I'm not doing them right now. I'm certainly always working on stuff. Um, so right now I'm just I'm just writing stuff about the offseason. And, you know, I've written stuff recently. I dove deep into this receiver class of free agency in the draft, talk to some experts. Um, I have another thing coming out about receivers tomorrow. I, I'm going to be writing a lot about receivers this offseason, I imagine. So just going full steam ahead on that. Um, the, the one I can tease, tease, I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but uh, tomorrow on, t- on Tuesday. Yeah. So on Tuesday, uh, the one I, I, I kind of, because the, so there's a lot of teams that need wide. This, this receiver class is so deep in part because a lot of teams could be letting these guys go. So there's a lot of teams that the Giants are going to be competing against. Um, to sign these receivers. So I, I thought I, I decided I was going to like st- compare them to all the teams that had obvious receiver needs and how appealing they are compared to the other teams, you know, whether it's factoring in cap space, the quarterback, blah, blah, blah. So I, I, I that's the angle I went with tomorrow. And at, at some point I'm going to look at this edge rusher class and free agency and, and the draft and, and kind of going to be hitting a lot of the giants needs over the next few weeks, I would say leading up to free agency. Well, good stuff, Zach. Thank you for uh, a good year of work. Thank you for joining us. Um, it's at Z-A-C-K-Blatt, B-L-A-T-T, correct? Correct. I got it. How about Zach, that? I owe you a pizza. I don't know why or how. It was, I think it was you might because, have to do I asked, Columbo. because I asked Columbo about uh, – Yes. Yes. Which, that's his, 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 which, his which in retrospect, you probably aren't as happy about now, I guess. But. No, no, no. Uh, heavy, was, his band cool. sucked, and so does Heavy Metal. Oh, I no. always towed, towed that line. Wow. Fighting words for Justin there. thought it was great. It was the best part. Of, one of the best parts of the offseason. Well, well, the so, you, the so before I finished my, that story, I wrote about him, and, and then I heard them playing the song at practice that one day. Yeah. Did they really? Like, none of the other beat writers knew about it because I'd listened to it a hundred times because I was writing that damn story. So I'd heard it. I like heard. I was hearing it in my dream at that point. Um, and then I played it. I'm like looking around and nobody's like, I'm like and then I immediately DM Justin. I'm like, dude, they just played the song. I didn't want to tweet it out because I didn't want people to be spoiled about the story I was working on. But it was very funny. They they clearly were doing that to mess with them. Um, oh, brought me joy brought me so much joy. joe well, judge was just trying to get him to fight him for like a like a four or five week span <laughs> one step away from fighting him yeah <laughs> all right well zach before we get you in trouble thank you for coming on make sure to go follow zach and follow his work thanks zach yeah thanks for having me guys it's fun no holds bad he was he took me in the low post and won but i think we had on the varsity all right thanks again zach make sure to go follow zach do it he's 
he's done a really good job, especially his first full year on the on the beat. And with no, you know, not that da- that daily access, that locker room access that uh, that they so desperately use. So I uh, appreciate Zach. Justin, you got anything else before we end this dang thing? No. Thank you very much to Zach Rosenblatt. Go give him a follow. Do what you got to do. Um, subscribe to NJ.com. I just did it today, by the way. Um, you know, if, if you want, if you want to pay, want to pay some money, sure, if you got it. But um, yeah, a lot of fun. Bobby Skinner, you are going to the Senior Bowl. You're leaving Sunday morning. Yep, I'll be there. I like during the the conference championship games. I will be in Alabama. Exciting week of talking Giants next week. Well, and Friday is going to be exciting too. We got our wide receiver review. If no big news happens. Um, so that look, look forward to the watch the review, which I think is going to be a little, might, might get a little heated. I don't know why, but it seems like the watch, watch series, we may get a little heated. I don't know why. No, uh, we don't care. Do we care about golden Tate? He's, he's done, right? Yeah, but we're going to talk about him. We'll I'm not going to get heat. I'm not going to get heated over a guy that's done. And I think we what both have Dante very, Pettis? we both very, you want Dante Pettis to be uh to be number two next year, Bobby? At least deserves a shot. All right, let's end this episode. <laughs> uh, all right, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Friday. Until then, let's go big blue. <laughs>